Welcome into the Talk of Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. Joined, as always, by BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer. The Talking Tide podcast available to you at all sorts of apps. We've got a YouTube channel you need to subscribe to now as well. Make sure you jump on there and hit that subscribe button. Our Twitter feed is Talking underscore Tide. And we want to thank our sponsors, as always, North River Dental Associates, Peterbrook, Chocolatier, and Tuscaloosa, and as well, DraftKings. More on them a little bit later in the program. We start the Sunday Nighter breaking down Alabama's rousing win over Southern Miss, 63-14 to at home. Your final score and a runaway for the Crimson Tide. Travis, a lot of people, I think, expected an outcome in this realm no one could have expected what Jamison Williams did, though, Travis. The transfer wide receiver from Ohio State sets a school record. A couple of kickoff returns for touchdowns. Threw in a, a touchdown on a long reception. Travis, the kid ends up with 258 all-purpose yards on four, count them, four touches. On the Pretty night. amazing. Yeah. Just when you think you've seen just about everything in Alabama football history, you get that from Jamison Williams on Saturday night and really helped kickstart this team coming off a, a tough physical game at Florida. Uh, got the crowd really into it, it seemed like, uh, from the outset. I know you were there uh, on Saturday night. So you know, we'd heard Nick Saban talk about spirit and things like that throughout the practice week. And uh, Jamison looked like he had plenty of spirit there going coast to coast. I tell you what else we heard from Nick Saban when I saw Jamison Williams running these two kickoff returns back for touchdowns and catching an 81-yard pass for a third one. I hearken back, Travis, to when Nick Saban was asked, I think it was uh, in August in the preseason, might have been before that at one of the golf charity events or something, but at some point over the summer, he was asked about uh, the new transfer rule whereby no one has to sit out. You can just jump to wherever you want to jump to, at least on your first transfer. And Nick Saban said at that time, all this is going to do is make the rich richer. And when you when you see Jamison Williams taking a couple of the house on kickoff returns and you know you look ahead on the schedule and you think, man, if this guy ends up making that kind of difference in a big game, uh, truer words have never been spoken. And that's not that's to not even discount what Henry Toa Toa brings to the linebacking core in the same situation, a, a right-of-way transfer. Yeah, I think when those two guys came in, or at least we became aware of the 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 likelihood and, and the finalization of those guys joining this Alabama roster, I think a lot of us felt like, well, they don't really need Toa Toa as much as they need a legitimate outside speed guy to go along with John Mechie. But you still sort of felt like it might be Toa Toa that would be the impactful guy of the two, more impactful in terms of how, you know, he was uh, regarded uh, mm. once the season started. And, and more, I think he, more of a proven player. Yeah, I think Henry's been been good. But I think of the two, if you had to say right now, which of the two has been most impactful, understanding different sides of the ball, different positions for what they needed. And not just as we're learning at wide receiver, but now in the kickoff return game in special teams. Uh, yeah, it's Jamison Williams right now. 
huge impact for sure. And, and, and yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think the track record on Toa Toa kind of brought that credibility up front before anybody had seen him really play in an Alabama uniform. We, if you're an SEC fan, you'd seen enough of him at Tennessee to know the guy could really play some football. Jamison Williams hadn't logged quite that much game experience in the Big Ten, uh, but, boy, he sure looked like uh, an all-star against Southern Miss. And uh, Bryce Young, speaking of all-stars, Travis, 20 out of 22 on the night, uh, threw in an interception. One of his two incompletions picked off on a ball that should have been caught. I guess he should have been 21 for 22, five touchdowns. And as I mentioned, uh, his first interception of the year that really wasn't even on him. No, Jamison Williams actually had five touches, five <laughs> in the game. Unfortunately, that fifth touch went right off the number one yeah. and into the hands of, I believe, Malik Shorts, the safety yep. for uh, Southern Miss. So first interception of the season, but even with that, it was – a really good throw and a ball that Jamison Williams absolutely should have caught. And if there's a knock on Jamison to this point, it's not a big one. He's had a couple of drops. He's let the ball get into his body a little bit, not as much of a hands catcher, maybe in some situations as they would like him to be, but uh, all's well that ends well. Another big night, as you said, for Bryce, uh, 313 passing yards, uh, you know, when you talk about his yards per attempt, he hadn't been north of 10 in any of the first three games. So it was good to see him get that up into the low 14-ish uh, mm -hmm. neighborhood. And and again, he got a lot of help. I thought they had a concerted effort from the outset, not just with Williams, but Jalil Billingsley, Cameron Latou with a big game. The tight ends were as much of the story. Chase offensively, at least in the passing game, as anything else. Yeah, three touchdowns to the tight end position, right? Two to Latou and another one to Billingsley. Billingsley ends up five for 105 receiving, and which was – you don't want to say it's a coming out party for him because he caught a big touchdown against the Florida Gators. But nevertheless, uh, it certainly looks like Billingsley's back on track. But it also doesn't look like Latou's going anywhere in terms of playing time. Those guys uh, – this offense runs just fine with those two sharing time. They do, and they were, I thought, out of 12 personnel a good bit on mm. Saturday night with the two tight ends, and that also includes Kendall Randolph in there a good bit. And I thought Randolph and Latou and some of those tighter formations did some really good stuff in the run game. They run for over 200 yards for the first time this season, get a 100-yard game out of Roydell Williams, the second back to see the field in the game. Jace McClellan averages, what, 8.1 uh, in 12 carries. So between Williams and McClellan, you got exactly what you needed. You were able to hopefully get Brian Robinson where he needs to be. Sounds like he's been dealing with some ribs, some sore ribs here. So a good night for the run game and the tight ends even had a big part in that. Yeah, I was just about to get to a couple of personnel notes. One, as you mentioned, uh, Brian Robinson, a DNP on the night. They're looking to get him healed up, obviously, for that forthcoming Ole Miss game. Also saw JoJo Earl back at that punt returner spot uh, rather than Slade Bolden, at least to begin the game. Slade Bolden did get in there for one punt return uh, that I saw, but it looks like uh, JoJo Earl might be kind of moving in on that role, but but then he flubbed one near uh, in the, in the second half that maybe, uh, maybe sets him back in that effort. Yeah, we'll see. You like the dependability of Slade, although Slade's had some ball security issues 
over the last couple of seasons of his own. But JoJo Earl also, speaking of Slade Bolden, it was JoJo Earl and that 11 personnel to open the game with John Mechie and Jamison Williams at the wide receiver position. So that was pretty interesting as well. So obviously some intense competition still going on at that spot. Uh, obviously they're looking to ramp up the explosive play capability of this offense. Uh, it almost felt like a spring scrimmage in that regard Saturday night, how they took so many shots or were looking to take a lot of shots. And, you know, the offensive line was good enough. I thought they, you know, did some good things in the run game. Uh, Emil Echior and pass protection on a couple of those explosive plays in the second quarter did some good stuff. So, it was a feel-good type of performance for an offense that might need to score a lot coming up this next Defensively Saturday. for the Crimson Tide, big night for Will Anderson, the outstanding pass rusher, three tackles for loss for him, also notched a sack in the game. Uh, relatively easy night, I think, for this defense. Travis Southern Miss didn't have it up front at all. Didn't throw the ball too well. Now, they did find some success throwing to the tight end over the middle of the field here and there. Uh, but for the most part, it was a, an excellent effort for this defense. Yeah, there was just enough nightmare fuel from right. that Southern Miss offense with Ole Miss up next to keep some Alabama fans up maybe a little bit during the coming week. And Grayson Gunner, the Arkansas transfer, three catches for 61 yards in the first half. A couple times, just a lot of green. Uh, and that was about it around the big tight end for the Golden Eagles. So still enough to be worrisome, I guess you could say. You got to look at a running quarterback in Ty Keys. Did a really good job on Frank Gore Jr., the running back for Southern Miss. Nine carries, seven yards. Um, but Keys also had a couple of plays that he was able to make with his legs. Not that Matt Corral's going to do as much of that, but – Yes, the memories are still fresh of Ole Miss from a year ago running for, what, 268 against Alabama and Oxford. And I know we'll get into more of that later in the week. But, yeah, I thought defensively there were some good things. Christian Harris had a really nice deflection of a pass in the first quarter that led to the interception by DeMarco Ellums. This is a Southern Miss offense that has really struggled to keep the quarterback upright. Alabama with just a couple of sacks in the game had nine quarterback hurry. So that was, that was encouraging. Um, but you played a lot of guys and really you come away from that performance. You know, if you're Alabama's coaching staff, you wish you could play Will Anderson at every spot on the linebacker level, because I'm pretty well convinced at this point, whether you played him at Mike, Will, Jack, where he plays, Sam, this guy could be a real problem regardless of where you line him up. Yeah, he could go anywhere. There's no doubt about it on that linebacking core. Hellum's a heck of a game. As you said, he had an interception for Alabama. Kind of one of those right place, right time picks. Just popped right into his uh, lap, sort of, down there uh, near the goal line. Made some sure tackles in this game for Alabama, too, Travis. And to me, I think that's where DeMarco Hellum's big value is for this defense is is he doesn't miss a lot of those. I think that's why he's on the field more than Daniel Wright, for instance. Um, you know, there was a time when Wright was playing more than Helms. I think tackling is a big reason why it's the other way around right now. Yeah, and that sort of played out through the end of last season. And then DeMarco had the injury in the preseason. And I think he can tackle even better than what we've seen from him. 
so far this season. He had a miss in the open field against Florida, against Malik Davis on Davis's touchdown run last week. He had a miss Saturday night in the flat that helped lead to Southern Miss's first touchdown of the night. So I agree. I think he's a really good tackler when he's well and and everything is is lined up for him. Um, but based on what we've seen to this point, I, I think he can be even better. And it was interesting in sub packages because we've seen sort of Brian Branch, Malachi Moore. It was Malachi Moore to open the game at Star? He took over for Brian Branch during the Florida game the week before. And then you, know, you talk about Daniel Wright. There he was at the money in the dime. So interesting that that wasn't Brian Branch on Saturday night. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Moving forward, we're going to thank a couple of sponsors right now, starting with North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley. His professional staff of dental hygienists will do an outstanding job no matter what your dental needs are. They can handle porcelain veneers, cosmetic dentistry, pediatric dentistry, laser dentistry, endodontics, dentures, the always popular teeth whitening services. They're conveniently located at 1100 Fairfax Park off of Watermelon Road, and they'll get you in and out of the chair in under an hour, typically on a routine cleaning. Also doing Botox and Juvederm treatments over there as well. So give them a call at 752-3506 or make an appointment online at NorthRiverDentist.com. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier, also in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. You got Halloween coming up. It's uh, upon us, gang. I mean, it's, we're what, about a month away from Halloween? Well, you know, Peter Brook Chocolatier is going to have you taken care of. And then as we matriculate through the holiday season, whether it's Thanksgiving, whether it's Christmas, whether it's still football season, as you can see right there, they've got the college football themed treats for you as well at Peter Brook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. I'm going to give you sort of a, Kind of a secret weapon of Peterbrook Chocolatier. It's that outstanding gelato. They've got that gelato case right there in the store. And you're going to find six, seven, eight different flavors of freshly made gelato. The Italian ice cream. Trust me, if you haven't had it, you want to do it. Best I can tell, gelato is Italian for like bluebell. So just trust me on that. <laughs> but you're going to find that more at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. The boys go right through a box or two of those sample spoons real quick with oh, that gelato, won't they? I will try the salted <laughs> caramel. Yeah. That's good, but can I have some? May I get a sample of the mint chocolate chip? Yeah. Yeah, they do that. Never end. And that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Finally, I want to tell you about our corporate sponsor, and that is DraftKings. Now, if you would like to climb into the ring and take a swing or two at the man. Mm -hmm. The way to do it is DraftKings. Now, DraftKings is the official sports betting partner of the NFL. They're now offering new customers $150 in free bets. If you simply bet $1 on any football game, use the promo code TPPN. That's the Pigskin Podcast Network. And check it out. Simply download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Place a $1 bet, use that promo code TPPN, and receive $150 in free bets instantly. Once again, that's promo code TPPN to get your free $150 in bets over at 
DraftKings. Talking Tide podcast moving forward. The Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide. Click the subscribe button on that YouTube channel as well. Travis will bounce around the Southeastern Conference in the final few minutes of the podcast, as we always do. We'll start with the Hogs. Where else, right? Your boy. Yeah. Your boy. Sam Pittman gets it done again, although he is my guy. He is my boy. But you're the one that picked him, right? I'm not. I've, I picked Tennessee to beat Florida. I picked A&M. I think you had Arkansas to get this done, and uh, they did it. They did. And as we've talked about on previous podcasts, uh, this is the time of the season when Arkansas needs to get it done. And all the credit in the world to Sam Pittman, Kendall Bryles, Barry Odom on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they've done some great stuff early in each of the last two seasons. Now, the question will be, can they sustain it? Got Georgia coming up. So that'll be another benchmark. But look, if you're Sam Pittman and you beat Texas in Texas A&M in two out of three weeks, yeah. you're going to be in pretty good shape in Fayetteville for a long, long time. But can't say enough about the job that Pittman and K.J. Jefferson showed some toughness in that game Saturday because he left came back, um, but that team very much has taken on the identity of its head coach, an old offensive line coach. They're great in the trenches. Um, they play with poise uh, for the most part, and they do have some sneaky good weapons on the offensive side of the ball when you talk about the skill position players. Traylon Burks, wide receiver, had a monster game against the Aggies. He goes six catches, 167 yards, K.J. Jefferson at quarterback, Travis, he's 7 out of 15, which ain't much to speak of, but he throws for 212. So he averaged 30 yards of completion yeah. in that game. Where I went to school, that's what the math says anyway. Uh, and and they just they went up and down the field with the deep ball on him, I guess. I didn't see the whole game. Maybe they early for the big they, deep ball, yeah. So uh, there's that, and and Texas A&M got 95 yards out of a Isaiah Spiller, only 12 carries. You got to wonder if 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 Jimbo, looking back at it, wouldn't have leaned on Spiller a little more. Yeah, it's a tough situation because A&M is in backup quarterback mode, as we know, and they also are not in a good place in terms of the offensive line. They knew that they had some holes to fill coming into this season. Now they've had an injury or two. They've had to do some shuffling. They've got a true freshman or two now that are in that first five. And uh, it's been tough on that side of the ball for the Aggies. And, you know, as much as Jimbo's referred to as a offensive genius and his paycheck is supposed to reflect that, uh, he's not a magician. And so you like a lot of their skill talent, like Spiller, like a chain, uh, like Anaya Smith, like Weidermeyer at the tight end position, but if you can't get it done tackle to tackle and behind center, uh, it's going to be tough in today's football. Florida takes care of Tennessee. That was a tight one and a half, and uh, the Gators kind of ran away with it. Big night again for Emory Jones, quarterback that had the big game against Alabama, turns around and does it again against the Vols, 21 out of 27, ran for 144 on 15 carries and threw for over 200 yards. So, uh, and the Richardson kid, by the way, didn't play at all again. So it looks like Emory Jones has done all he can, at least for the moment, to uh, secure that starting quarterback role for the Florida Gators. Auburn, Travis, 34-24 over Georgia State. 
GSU runs for 267 against the Tigers. And Auburn found themselves down five points entering the fourth quarter. And go to the bench at quarterback. Go to TJ Finley. Brian Harson with pretty bold move yeah. considering the legacy in play in Bo Nix and his father, of course, Patrick Nix. Benches Bo Nix, goes to TJ Finley, the LSU transfer. It still comes down to a fourth and goal play in which Finley has to work some magic just to keep the play alive and then hits the touchdown pass. It essentially won the game. Smoke Monday had a pick six, I think, right after that that made it look bigger than it was. And then we learn on Sunday night that Harson makes a change to his staff four games into the season. His wide receivers coach is out. Um, it's going to be an interesting few weeks coming up, especially with the Nick situation, with the change at the wide receiver coach, uh, and exactly how they sort of approach things with LSU up next. Speaking of whom, 28-25, your final score at LSU over Mississippi State. Uh, That LSU offense is one-dimensional at this point, Travis. They have trouble running the ball again. We talked about how they couldn't run it against UCLA. They couldn't run it against Mississippi State either. They were 27 out of 63 on the ground. Max Johnson, right now, he is that offense. He is, and uh, I think he's great. I've been on the Max Johnson train since last season. I love the guy, not just because his dad's Brad Johnson, a former NFL championship caliber quarterback who played at Florida State as well. I just like that kid's stuff. And, you know, to be a second-year guy and sort of take it all on like he does, and uh, Kayshawn Boudé, outstanding. As we know, they're developing a couple other guys, it looks like. Uh, including a, at least one true freshman at wide receiver. But it is sort of mystifying that up front, they're not better than they are. I know they had the change sort of late in the lead up to the 2021 season at the offensive line coach position, but still, uh, they should be better than this. And again, give Max Johnson just a ton of credit. And oh, learned his lesson from last year. A lot of zone, a lot of, a lot zone, of zone against Mike Leach. Yep. On Saturday. Bo Pelini tried to man up Mike Leach last year. He got taught a lesson. Bo got a <laughs> yes, lesson. Yes, he did. Bo's back in Youngstown. That was part of his lesson. Mm-hmm. Mm, no question. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us here for the Sunday Nighter. Be sure to tune in once again midweek when Travis and I sit down here once again and preview the Alabama Ole Miss game coming up next weekend. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television, and we'll talk to you midweek on Talking Tide.